0: And in this series, we're talking about how that God speaks to man. And by the way, God does still speak to man today. Now, the fact is that man doesn't always hear God when he speaks, and man doesn't always pay attention to God when he speaks. Sometimes God speaks to man, and man isn't even aware of it, but God does still speak today. Scripture tells us that that God has spoken in the past through many various means and through many different methods. We know that the Bible says that God in the past has spoken audibly to man. We understand that God has spoken to man through dreams and through visions. He has spoken to man through angels. God has communicated with man through prophets and priests and preachers, through His Son, through His Spirit and His Scriptures. So that's what we're talking about in this uh, three-week series entitled, Can You Hear Me Now? God is saying to us today, Can You Hear Me Now? Although God speaks in many various ways, I've chosen just to focus on three of the many ways that God speaks to man. Now last Sunday, we we said that God uh, uh, speaks to us through His Scripture. And let me tell you that more often than not, that's the way God speaks today. It's through His Scripture. The, the, the fact of the matter is, everything that we need to hear from God, He's already told us in Scripture. Amen. If God never spoke again through any other means or method, God has already told us everything that we need to know. And He's told it all, written it down in His book called Scripture. And so last Sunday, we talked about how God speaks to man through, through Scripture. If you were not here last Sunday, I would encourage you to order the CD because because it had some really, really incredibly good teaching in it that you need to hear. You need to hear all three of these messages or lessons uh, during this series. Well, today we're going to talk about how God speaks through His servants. He not only does He speak to us through His scripture, but God also speaks through His servants. But the problem with man is that, that we, we really only hear what we want to hear, don't we? Man has selective hearing. There's a man that went to a doctor and he took his wife with him to the doctor. And after a thorough examination, the doctor said that he wanted to talk to the man's wife all by herself. So the doctor took the the man's wife into a a room separately and the doctor began to talk to the sick man's wife and And the doctor told her, said, look now, your husband is going to die unless you do three things. There are three things that you got to do for him and and, and if you'll do these three things, he'll live but if you don't do these three things, he's going to die. Only you can save his life. She said, well, doc, what are those three things? Well, he said, number one, he said, you're going to have to cook three big meals for him every single day. If he's going to live, he's got to have three good meals cooked by you every single day. And the second thing you've got to do is you've got, you got to stop nagging him. You can't, you can't nag him at all. He, he cannot have any pressure in his life. So you cannot nag him at all. And the third thing you've got to do is you've got to make passionate love to him every single night. You're the key to his survival. You must do these three things or he's going to die. Well, on their way home, the sick man asked his wife, said, said honey, what, what, what was it that the doctor told you when he took you into the room by yourself? What did the doctor say to you? She said, well, honey, I'm sorry. He said you're going to die. <laughs> I want to talk to you this morning about how God speaks to us through his servants. And God will speak to us if we will listen. In fact, in fact, if you will listen to, for the next 35 minutes or so, God will even use me to speak to you. Can you hear me now? So let's look about uh, and talk a little bit about how God speaks through his servants today. Now as we talk about this, there's three things that I want to point out this morning. Three things I want you to remember Three things I want to point out and and emphasize today. The first thing is the ministry. I want us to notice the ministry. Say the ministry. Look in the book of Ephesians chapter number 4 and verse 11. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 11. The Bible says in Ephesians 4 and 11, "And, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. We're going to talk a lot about that in the next few weeks and even in the next few months. But I want you to be familiar with that. I want you to get a hold of that. And there's three things that I want to point out in these two verses to you this morning. First of all, I want us to notice the misconception. Notice the misconception. What is the misconception? The misconception is that professional clergy does all the ministry. You see, there's a big misconception in the modern day church today that goes like this. It says, Pastor, we will pay you and we'll pay your staff to do all of the work of the church. We'll pay you guys to do all of the work of the ministry. Now, there's just one problem with that. That isn't God's plan. Thank you for those three amens. I think they were all preachers. I said, there's just one problem this morning with the, with the full-time uh, clergy doing all of the work of the ministry and all of the work of the church. The problem with that, that's not the plan of God. Yeah, it but it kind of goes like this. Hey, pastor, we're going to bring all of the sinners to church so you can save them. And we're going to bring all of the broken people to church so you can fix them. It kind of goes like this. We haven't worshiped all week long, so we need a worship pastor to provide a really good worship experience for us. We haven't taken the time to teach or train our kids this week, and so, and so we need the children's pastor to teach our young children, and we need the youth pastor oh, to work miracles on our teenagers. And Pastor, you know, you know, between watching American Idol and the Dallas Cowboys and the Rangers, we, well, we just haven't had time for Bible study this week. And so Pastor, we need you. We need you to teach, uh, the Word of the Lord to us. We need you to give us a, a whole week's worth of Bible study. If you can do it under 30 minutes, we'd appreciate it. Oh, and we also need our, our pastors to, to visit all of the people in the hospital and all the people in the nursing home. And we need our full-time pastor to do all of the marriage counseling. And we need them to check on all of the absentees. And we need them to do all of the follow-up on all of the newcomers. And we need them to repair all of the broken things around the building. And, 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 and. The misconception is we're going to hire another preacher. We're going to hire another staff member so that they can do the work of the ministry, so they can do the work of the church. Giant misconception in the church world. And the, and the misconception is professional clergy do all the work of the ministry. Now actually this is only true in all other churches. It's not true here. No, not in New Bethel. Come on, help me out a little bit this morning. Second thing I want us to notice in this passage is the method. Method. The method, and what is the correct method? What is God's plan? Well, God's plan is for the, for the pastors, for the leaders to equip the saints for ministry. Let, let, let's read that again so you know I'm not just trying to get out of work this morning because I know that's what people think. They're just, you know, he only works on Sunday anyway. Now you want to get out of that? I actually had somebody thought all I did was just show up here on Sunday morning and preach 35 minutes. That's all I did. You know, I think I ought to just do people think that. You might as well do it. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Wouldn't that be wonderful? Let's read it again. And he gave, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why did he give them? Why did he give the pastor, the evangelist, the teacher, the prophet? Why did he give these gifts to the church? Well, he says uh, what he, the, the purpose in verse 12. For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. Amen. He gave these, this fivefold ministry to the church as a gift to the church for them to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. It says it right there. And for the edifying of the body of Christ. So according unto the Apostle Paul, God's method is for the Apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. You see, according unto Paul, the pastor's job is not to do all of the ministry, but his job is to equip the saints or teach the saints to do the work of the ministry. And it's not that he doesn't have a job to do. I'm not trying to get out of a job this morning. I'm just tired of doing the wrong job. I'm not trying to get out of work this morning. I'm not trying to get out of a job. And it's not that the pastor doesn't have a, a job to do. That's but his job is the job of equipping and it's the job of the saints not to just come in and sit as a spectator on Sunday morning, amen, and have their little tin list of a criteria of whether it's a good service or not. And, you know, make sure and tell somebody if it's not, that's not your job. Your job is to come in here and to be equipped and, 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 to, and to be taught, amen, how to do the work of the ministry and then for you to leave this place this morning, amen, and go out and do the work of the ministry. That is the will of God. And I'm going to tell you that we're going to step this thing up around here in the next few months. This is the direction that we are going to be heading we're going to do our job of equipping you so that you can do the work of the ministry so that you can do the work of the church so that the church can be more effective amen so that God can send us more people because he knows that we can be trusted with him because we're going to take care of them when he sends them to us and you're going to be equipped so you're going to be reaching people and bringing people with you and the church will grow because of that All right, we're talking about how God speaks or communicates to man today. He does so through his servants. Let me tell you something. You don't have to have a PhD in homiletics in order for God to speak through you or in order for God to use you in ministry. And you don't have to have the position or title of pastor or staff in order for God to use you, in order for God to speak to you through you, in order for God to use you to minister to people. God's plan and his method is for the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher to equip and train the saints to do the work of the ministry. The problem is we've had this thing backward for too many years. I said we've had this thing backward for too many years. We're trying to get the unsaved to come to church. We're trying to get the sick to come to church. We're trying to get people with shipwrecked lives to come to church so that the professional clergy can work their magic. No, no, the church should be a training ground. The saints should come to church for worship and training. And then they should go out into their world and save the lost and heal the sick and minister to the hurting. Friend, there's a world filled this morning with people that, that God wants to talk to. God wants to minister to. God wants to communicate to. He has a message for them and he wants to use the mouth of his servants to speak through. All right, let's look at the mission this morning. We're still in Ephesians 4. What is the mission? Well, it's twofold. It's twofold. The first one is the work of the ministry. What are are, are the pastors, the staff, supposed to train you for? For the work of the ministry. Well, pastor, what is that? Well, it is as simple as meeting the needs of people. That's it. The work of the ministry is as simple as meeting the needs of the people, whether those are physical needs, whether they're spiritual needs, whether they're emotional needs, whatever. The work of the ministry is simply meeting the needs of people. And number two it's to edify the body. To edify the body. To edify, we understand, means to build up. It means to encourage. Let me ask you this morning, how long has it been since you encouraged somebody? Let me ask you this morning is is there some, someone missing from, uh, from church that usually sits around you? They're, they're usually either two rows up or two rows behind you or two seats or three seats over. Is there somebody that usually sits around you? And you know what? When you think about it, now that I'm asking you to think about it, you say, Yeah, I wonder where those people are. Hadn't seen those people in two weeks. I hadn't seen those people in three weeks. I hadn't seen those people in a while. Let me ask you this have you checked on them? Well, that's what we pay you for. No. I check on them. I do my very best. That's why I stand up here like a goober and look over the congregation while they're doing while Steve is up here praying. Why? I'm trying to see who's here and who's not, so that I can run back to my office and check off who was here and who wasn't, so that if somebody misses two or three weeks, I check on them. Do I am I do I bat a thousand? Of course not. I miss all the time, but I do the best I can. But that's the problem. I can't do it all. And the bigger we get, the less that I'm able to, you know, uh, the the less batting average I'm going to have. That's why I need you to look around. That's why I need you to be observant. I need you to stop coming in here and soaking everything up. I need you to come in here and start looking around. I need you to come in here with your spiritual antennas open and, and up and saying, Hey, maybe there's somebody that needs a word of encouragement. Somebody needs to be edified. Somebody needs to be built up. Hey, somebody's missing. I better call them. I better email them. I better go see about them. I better check on them. We're all in this thing together. Amen. Amen. And There's people all around you as you go through your everyday life who desperately need a word of encouragement and they're never going to come into the doors of New Bethel. Never going to come in anybody's church and they're there right there where you work. Maybe they're uh, two cubicles over. Maybe they're across the hall. Maybe you see them around the water. Tank. If you had your spiritual antennas open uh, up, uh, you know the Holy Spirit could say, hey, you know what, they need a word of encouragement. Amen. Amen. They need to hear from God and God wants to speak to them and God is looking for a willing voice. My question today is will you be God's voice and will you be His spokesperson? Alright, we talked about the ministry. Let's talk a little bit about the minister. Say the, the, the minister. Please, for this whole point, remember when I say minister, I'm not talking about necessarily or just Pastor Benson or Pastor Steve or Pastor Braden or Pastor Houston or the real pastor around here, Pastor Dawn. When I say minister, I'm talking about anybody that claims to speak for God, whether they be full-time clergy or they're just a regular attender, a regular member of a church. Let me tell you, we need to be careful who we allow to minister to us. We need to be careful who we allow to speak into our lives. Yes, God speaks through His servants, but not everybody that claims to be one of God's servants really is. And listen, some who, really, who actually are, and yet they are still not qualified to speak into our life. Let me give you three questions you need to ask yourself about the minister. Whether it's your pastor, your lead pastor, your youth pastor, or whether it's just someone, a lay person that's ministering to you or, or, or somebody on team. What a, I, this is a wide scope. Three questions to ask yourself about the minister before you accept ministry from this minister. First question I think you need to ask is, ask yourself, is he accountable? He wants to speak into my life. He claims to have a word from the Lord for me. hey. Is he accountable? Titus 1 and 6 says an elder must live a blameless life. How can you know if a person lives a blameless life unless they are accountable? You see, there are far too many people that are running around here like a loose cannon, claiming to speak for God, giving words to people, having prophecies for people, or maybe even holding crusades, or maybe they've got a TV ministry or radio ministry, or they pastor a church, and yet they have no accountability. No accountability. They have total control and total authority. They have no covering They're under no one, have no covering. No one can tell them no. They submit to no one's authority. I believe before receiving ministry from any minister, ask yourself is he accountable? Can somebody tell him no? Does he have to give an account for his actions? Is he under anybody? Second question you need to ask, is he accurate? It's just so amazing to me to see these goobers make these big giant prophecies. You know, Jesus is coming, you know, give the date and the time, he doesn't come. Oh, oops. Oops. Got 88 reasons why he's coming, and then in 88, and then, oops, uh, it was 89 reasons. Uh, over and over, they make these predictions, prophecies, give these dates. Lord doesn't come. They're still around making their prophecies. People are still following them. Duh! Ask yourself, is he accurate? Matthew 7 and 20 said, By their fruit, you're going to know them. Listen, if the minister teaches, is his teaching accurate? Does it line up with the word? If he prophesies, does his prophecy come to pass? If he gives you a word, oh, does that word ring true in your spirit? Uh, Oh, does what he said to you line up with what God has already been speaking to you into your, in your heart and through his word? we're talking about the minister right now just because somebody calls himself a minister just because somebody wants to give you a word or somebody wants to preach or teach something to you before you receive their ministry first examine the minister and ask yourself is he accountable is he accurate i'll go so far as to ask this question is he accomplished Is he accomplished? 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 6 says, An elder must not be a new believer. King James Version, he must not be a novice. So ask yourself these three questions about him. Ask yourself, does he know anything? Does he know anything? 1 Timothy 3 and 2, he must be able to teach. Does he know anything? How can he teach me what he doesn't know? What is his, what are his credentials? Who are his teachers? Second question, ask, has he done anything? He wants to speak into my life. He wants to give me a word. Amen. He wants to help give direction for my life. Well, has he done anything? 1 Timothy 3 and 6, again, not a novice, not a beginner. It's amazing to me how many people set themselves up as experts, and yet they've never done anything. They know how to do it better than you. They know what you're doing wrong, but they have never done it themselves. Listen, friend, listen. Listen, I'll be as nice as I possibly can. Don't try and tell me how to do something that you have never done. You see, too many, too many are teaching or speaking only from theory. Did you know that an architect can draw something a builder can't build? Really good on paper. Really good in the drawing room. And he even gets high fives from the other architect. And you pull out the plans and you start trying to build. He say, that's impossible. You can't do it. A lot of people really, really good in theory. Oh, too many are teaching and speaking only from theory. They have no actual personal experience. Did you know that there have actually been books written on child rearing by authors who have no children of their own? I mean, trying to raise a child is like trying to, you know, nail jello to the wall. Come on. And it sounds really, really good in that book. We're going to have a time out. Well, good luck. They they don't always play by the rules. How many understand what works in theory doesn't always work in reality? Some things work in a perfect world. But how many understand we're not living in a perfect world? Third question you need to ask this morning is, is his life in order? 1 Timothy 3 and 5, if a man can't even rule his own house, how's he going to be able to take care of the house of God? So before receiving ministry from somebody, ask yourself, does this minister have his house in order? Ask yourself, what's his family like? Ask yourself, how does he handle his finances? What is that? It has a lot to do with everything. In fact, if you want to really know what somebody's like, just look at their checkbook. It'll tell you about their character. It'll tell you what they love, what they don't, what is important, what's unimportant. Ask yourself, is he a giver? Ask yourself, what is his reputation like? Oh, it's apparent that he has charisma. But my question today is, does he have any character? (laughs) Oh my goodness, my goodness, my goodness. So many people that are getting by on charisma that have absolutely no character. Ask yourself, is what he's trying to tell me, is it working in his own life. Oh, he's very good at talking the talk, but does he walk the walk? Theme of this series is Can you hear me now? God wants to speak to man today, and God is going to use the mouth of his servants. But listen this morning, it is our responsibility to distinguish between true servants of God and impostors. All right, we've talked about the, the ministry. We've talked about the minister. Now let's talk a little bit about the message. When we receive a message delivered to us by one of God's servants, whether that is by professional clergy or just a regular saint that... That, that, that's give, that is giving ministry to us, whether it be a, a teaching, uh, whether it be a sermon, whether it be uh, one of the gifts of the Spirit like prophecy or the word of wisdom or the word of knowledge. What, what should be done with this message? I've received a message. I've received a word. What should I do with that message or that word? Well, I, I want to suggest two things you ought to do. Number one this morning, the message should be analyzed. Never take a word at face value. Never say to yourself, well, Pastor said it, so it has to be so. No. Even pastor can be wrong, just like anybody else can be wrong. Well, those were too strong of amens there. Let me admit to you this morning, I I was wrong one time. I was. One time I was wrong. I thought I was wrong, but I really wasn't. For those of you that don't get my lame jokes, it's a joke. Let me tell you, my theology has been wrong before. It's not as wrong now as it used to be. I couldn't even spell theology when I was a 17-year-old pastor preaching on the Calamites. <laughs> My theology has been wrong before. I've gotten in the flesh before. You can't believe that about me, can not you? That I've actually gotten in the flesh before. I've been overzealous before. No one is so spiritual that they never make a mistake. Nobody it's perfect. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 29, he said, let two or three people prophesy. And then he said, let the others evaluate what is said. He said, let there be two or three that prophesy. And then he said, let the others, let them evaluate what is said. Prophecy should be judged. Oh, prophecy should be evaluated. It should be analyzed. And so should all of the other words or messages or gifts of the Spirit that we receive, they ought to be analyzed, they ought to be evaluated, they ought to be judged. What should we do when we receive a message or a word from somebody that claims to be God's messenger? Somebody that claims to be a spokesperson for God? Someone who claims to have a message or a word for us? The message should be analyzed. And let me give you the criteria by which the message should be analyzed. And there are two. The first one is the Word of God. In all three messages, over and over and over and over, you're going to hear the Word of God, the Word of God, the Word of God, the Word of God. The written Word of God. Hear me this morning, the spoken word must always line up with the written word. And if the spoken word contradicts the written word, go with the written word every single time no matter who gave you the spoken word. The written word trumps spoken word 100 out of 100. Paul writes in Galatians chapter 1 verse 6 through 9. He says, "I am shocked That you are turning away so soon from God who called you to Himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us. Paul says, let God's curse fall on anyone, including us, or even an angel from heaven who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say it again, that we have, what we have said before. If anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, welcome to let that person be cursed. Talking about the criteria for analyzing a message given to us by someone claiming to be God's messenger. Criterium number one, does it line up with the written word of God? If somebody suggests that we do something that violates something clearly taught, otherwise in scripture don't receive the message, reject it. Second criteria for analyzing a message is the witness of the Spirit. The witness of the Spirit. If somebody speaks a word of prophecy over you, or somebody tells you, I have a word for you, or somebody says, God wants me to tell you thus and so. Well, after you hear this word, or after you hear this message from them, that they say they have for you, that they say is from God, ask yourself, does this word, does this message, does this prophecy, does it ring true in my spirit? Do I feel a witness in my spirit? Is my spirit man saying to me, yes! Or is there an alarm going off in my spirit? Is there an uneasiness in my spirit? Something just doesn't sound, seem, or feel right in my spirit about what I just received. Another question you need to ask yourself when somebody has a word for you is this, is this a confirmation of something that God has already been speaking to me about? He's already begun speaking to me about this in my heart and speaking to me through the scripture. Hear me this morning, if, if, if this word, if this message, if this prophecy, whatever it is, if it's something... Uh, if somebody is trying to give us uh, a word that seems to be just coming out from out of nowhere, if it's the first that we have heard about it, if it's new and foreign to us, uh, if it comes as a surprise and a shock, if that be true, hear me. Sheldon. Does God do that to us? Seldom does God do that to us. God usually, if not always, first births something in our own heart. He speaks to us first, personally. And only then will He use somebody else to speak the same thing that He's already been speaking to us in our heart or speaking to us in His Word. It doesn't just come from out of nowhere. When that Word comes to us, it's like, well, that's not the first time I've heard that. God is confirming what He's already placed in our heart. You know this story, but it fits the message. So years ago, my, my wife was going through a very, very difficult time. And, and in her struggle, God gave her a scripture to stand on. And it was Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 and 19. A few weeks later, we had an evangelist come and minister to us. I seldom ever do this. But he was a man I had never met before, and I never do this, but the man that that recommended him was one of my mentors and one of my best friends, and I trusted him. And he said, Mike, you have got to have him. And it was John Bosman who came a few months ago and is coming again in a few weeks. He's going to help us, lead us uh, into the direction God is taking this church uh, in equipping the saints for work of ministry. I had never met him ever before. First time I met him was 15 minutes before church. Well, halfway through his sermon, he stops preaching and he points to my wife. And he said to her, he said, God just showed me that you're struggling right now. God just showed me that that you are walking through a very deep and dark valley, that you are discouraged and you are grieving. And he said, God says to you today that he has sent me to encourage you. And he went on to say, God gave you a scripture to stand on, didn't he? Nobody knew that but me and her. He didn't just say that. Then he went on to quote the exact scripture. Isaiah 43 verse 18 and 19 that God had given to her earlier. And he told her, God is going to bring this to pass. You see, this message or this word or this prophecy he had for her was a confirmation. It didn't just come out of nowhere. It wasn't the first time she had heard about that. God had already spoken into her heart. God had already spoken through Scripture. And this was a confirmation of what God already had spoken to her in her spirit. And she had a witness in her spirit. His words that he spoke to her that day were ringing true in her spirit. We're talking about the message this morning, right? Right now, the message. What should we do with a message delivered to us by someone claiming to be God's message messenger? What should we do? Should we? Should we swallow it, hook, line, and sinker? Should we automatically drink the Kool Aid just because they claim to be a man or woman of God? No, no matter who the messenger is, analyze the message. And then after the message has been analyzed, it should then be acted upon. You see, after analyzation comes action. Please don't ask me to say that again. (laughs) Let me give you three possible actions first action you can take is you can receive it. If the minister minister passes the test that I gave you, if his message passes the test, then receive it. Receive it. Embrace it. Take it to heart. Act on it. Do something with it. Second possible action is you can reject it. If there's a problem with the minister or the message, reject the message. You say, but pastor, what if God is is really trying to get a message to me and I reject it because of a faulty messenger? Then God will send you another messenger who isn't flawed. If It's important. God will get the message to you. You not quenching the spirit. Just blame it on pastor. <laughs> pastor, you know. That's what he told me. So, third possible action. You can reserve it when you're just not really sure. How many has ever been there? Just not really sure whether this message is from God or not. Then reserve the message. Tuck it away in your heart for now. Don't don't fully embrace it. Don't fully reject it. Just just reserve it. Just, Just tuck it away in your heart somewhere for now. And just Wait, see what happens, see what develops. If we're not sure, if it's not clear to us, wait until God makes it clear and plain. And please hear this this morning, please. Just because God speaks something to us, that in and of itself doesn't necessarily mean it's for right this minute. And we got to do it in the next 30 seconds. Abraham and Sarah received a word from the Lord. And it didn't come about for 25 years. God spoke to me to go to Midland, Texas, start a church from scratch, call it Harvest Time Church. God spoke to me very, very clearly. He spoke to me on March the 26th, 1990. But my first service was not until July the 28th, 1991. Nearly a year and a half later. You see, uh, God's will and God's timing are two separate things. Don't confuse God's will with God's timing. Well, God called me to the ministry. I better pack my suitcase. You probably better get equipped first or you'll be preaching on the Calamites. Don't think that just because you got some word that that means right this very minute. I better go pack my bags. It's going to happen tomorrow. Listen, if there is not a door open for you to walk through, then you need to start preparing yourself, preparing yourself, preparing yourself, so that when a door does open for you, you will be prepared, you will be ready, and you will be qualified to walk through that door. And don't kick the door down. I know this door is going to open if I just kick it one more time. I've kicked a few doors down in my time. Maybe I ought to do the left one too so I get both of the same amount. If I want to get my exercise, I don't want to be over... Yeah. I've kicked a few doors down. You can't believe that about me, can you? I've kicked on a lot of doors that didn't open. You know, about all it did is just, you know, make my foot sore. Don't kick doors down. The God that called is able to open the door for you. Amen? Stand with me this morning. Reserve the word or message, brother. Pastor Braden and anybody you want to bring with you. Reserve the word. Tuck it away in your heart for future reference. We're in the middle of a series of sermons I'm calling. Can you hear me now? God wants to talk. He wants to speak to His people. He uses many methods and means and measures. He's given us the scripture and He says, Hey, can you hear me now? He gives us messengers. He's given you one this morning. God says, can you hear me now? Next Sunday, we're going to talk about how God speaks through His Spirit. And He says, hey, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? God is still speaking to us today. He speaks through His service. He speaks... He places people strategic, strategically in our lives at different stages in our life. I'm not going to take the time, but I, and I was going to do it, but I knew I had too much material already, but I remember the people that were in my life as a child that spoke into my life. I remember the people that were in my life as a ridiculous 17-year-old pastor. I can remember some of the dumb and stupid things I did, and how I learned from them, and how some gentle men of God corrected me and, and helped me and showed me. I can remember going to every conference I could and writing everything down I could because, man, I got to learn something, man. I'm, You know, I can't live on my looks my whole life. I got to learn something. I can remember those people God put in my life when my kids were little. They spoke into my life. Taught me about family. Taught me about children and kids and how to raise them. As I go through my life, I see, here's another stage here. And now that I'm a little more mature... still people speaking into my life but you know what God's also allowing me to speak into some other people's lives now take some other people by the hand gently rebuke gently teach and train and say no that's not a good idea well think about well why not this God wants to speak today. He wants to speak to you. But He also wants to use you today to speak through. He's looking for a voice. He's looking for somebody that'll be His voice that He can speak through. Will you be that voice? Father, I thank You for this Word today. Lord, this kind of mixture of teaching...